Hi, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of the No Low Ballers podcast. I'm Logan Medich of High Caliber History, your host. Sitting around the table here, we're at Walther in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and we've got uh, Dan from Go Wild, we have Alan from Gunbroker, we've got Caleb from Commando Bond, and, and we are talking all things spy guns and spy gadgets and spy coolness uh, in in all aspects of it, guys. So, anyone, anyone else hear those black helicopters? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, those all those black Lincoln Town cars down there. I think one. I think there's one for each of us. And uh, nice. there, yeah. Once we get back to Langley, we're in trouble. <laughs> Um, but so you know, there's there's so much cool spy-related stuff. Obviously, we've we've talked a lot about James Bond mm-hmm. because you can't talk spy stuff and not James Bond, right? Um, but we've all had you know our own interesting experiences at different places with different spy-related materials. You know, whether it's going through the spy museum or the CIA museum and, and things of that nature, talking with uh, different agents and you know mm-hmm. that have done things in different agencies, and it's just there's so much that goes on in the spy community, if you will, you know, um, that is just so fascinating that, that most people just don't think about, you know? Um, so Alan, you went through the spy museum, right? Yeah, we did the international spy museum in their older location. They've since built a new location. Um, you know, to, to your point, what I found really kind of fascinating was how much of today's tech that we just take for granted. A lot of it got started as, you know, spy gadgets and, and some, you know, really hush-hush um, military-type tech, like Bluetooth, for example. You know, mm-hmm. the you know, original Bluetooth was really made for um, the intelligence community and um, uh, some weapons guidance systems. And, you know, now it's just it's what we use to talk through our cars. Right, yeah. How, how mundane, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> guys going from planning secret missions and stuff. And we went from torpedo guidance to my watch, you know. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that, right? Yeah, and there's, of course, there's the Bond aspects of it, too, because when I went through the Spy Museum, there was a Bond exhibit mm-hmm. in there, and they had, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it, but the, the teeth. Jaws. The, oh, Jaws' teeth. Jaws, yeah. Yeah, Jaws. why Richard, I think that, but they had uh, um, Richard Keel. Richard Keel, yeah. You know, I have a Richard Keel story. Um, when I was a baby, I actually met him in an airport. My parents, like, that's a story they told me like when I was like 15 after watching all the Bond movies. Like, yeah, you were visiting your family over bunch of family in California. I'm not an expatriate. Don't worry. I was born and raised in Kansas City. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, that we ran into Jaws. I'm like, wow. In the airport, huh? Preordained. What can I say? Wow. Yeah, you were you were doomed from the very beginning. Oh. You were going to be a, a bondophile. Oh, guaranteed. I, I, I think I, I my, I've never seen someone's eyes roll back into their head more aggressively than I was talking to my parents. I'm like, hey, I know you guys picked my name as like a biblical name, but do you know the story? I'm like, because he's God's spy. I'm like, you did this to me. I hope you know that. Like, <laughs> like this was like from day one. You, you've set me up for what I want to do here, and it's just way too perfect for me not to have that. That's funny. Yeah, there's all sorts of really cool spy gadgets and guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I went, uh, I went through the CIA museum a handful of years ago, five or six years ago now, which was quite the experience in and of itself. Multiple background checks, you know. I damn near had to give a DNA sample to get in there. You but know, you did. You just don't know you did. Well, yeah, that's probably a very good point. You know, yeah, and, lock of hair at the door. You know, right? Yeah, I had a lot shorter hair then. You know, so it would be a little harder. But they, but yeah, but I'm sure they got it one way or the other. And and it was funny. Um, cause we got to go through and of course, unfortunately no phones, you know, mm-hmm. so couldn't take any pictures or anything. Um, and, and, but just some of the things that we got to see and, and, you know, there, I'm looking, I'm like, why is there, why is there a taxidermied pigeon in here? And she's like, 
because that's a robot and there's cameras in that pigeon, you know, and it's from the 1950s, you know, and you're like, holy crap. And, you know, so now you're like, yeah, they would just build a robot. But like, no, they actually took a pigeon and taxidermied it and then put a robot Mm -hmm. and a camera in the pigeon. Like, yeah, you mean the SOE was doing rats, rat bombs. They were putting (laughs) explosives inside (laughs) of rats and hiding them. If it was down dirty and possible, they, they, they did it. There's some really cool books out there that are reasonably cheap to buy still about like, you know, the real world people that produced these gadgets and things that ended up basically being, you know, the prototype for Bond. Like mm-hmm. Charles Fraser Smith is a great example of that. He has a he has a book that he wrote in the eighties called The Secret War of Charles Fraser Smith. You see a lot of the World War Two espionage stuff start to come out in the eighties mm-hmm. because that's when the Official Secrets Act started to expire. Mm-hmm. And so these guys that had signed all these, you know, these notices, which no one follows anymore apparently, um, they, they took it very seriously back then, National Security Secrets, and all the really cool books and things came out around them. So my wife bought me a signed copy of that book last year. And like, His whole thing was gadgetry for uh, you know, E&E from internment camps and from POW camps. And we're talking like hidden containers inside of shaving brushes to mm-hmm. have silk maps or just the coolest of things. And yeah, these, these guys like really were the prototype for a lot of what we do today and what we would have taken for simplistic and granted. It was yeah. like cutting edge. Yeah, and the OSS, the, I mean, you yeah. talk about the uh, the adapt, overcome, survive mentality. It literally, I mean, it's the point of, well, what if we just strapped a little plastic to the back of a rat and sent him in? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's Why give it a try. Or, yeah. the, or the Jedberg teams. You yes. Know, guys that are knowing they're going to their deaths, but are backpacking with a canoe and setting it up and putting limpet mines and disappearing. Um, I had a really cool experience the other day. We were photographing for the book that mm-hmm. I'm working on, and... Um, with this private collection, I'm talking to this guy about the Jedburg team. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I accidentally at an auction bought one of their test canoes. Mm. Like, it had the Jedburg sticker on it still and everything. No kidding. He's like, I put a bid in on it and assumed people were just going to, you know, bid it to hell. And they didn't. Flew so under the radar, huh? It, it was hanging upside down in his garage like, <laughs> like a canoe would have. Wow. It, and I'm like, you know, it's 2 a.m. And I'm just staring at, like, a piece of history. Yeah. And it, it was amazing. That's cool. One of my favorite spy guns is the deer gun. Yeah. Um, are you guys all familiar with the deer gun? Mm-mm. Okay. So you're familiar with the Liberator pistol from World sure. War II? Okay. So it's the Liberator 2.0, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uh, still a single shot, um, and but, but their very existence is, despite the fact that I've held four or five of them in my hands. And crates and, of them exist. Right. The, no one acknowledges their existence, <laughs> right? I mean, I no joke, I looked at one sitting in a case behind glass in the CIA museum with the curator of the museum, and I said, tell me about the deer gun. She goes, what gun? <laughs> like, really? Really? Yeah. So, we're, so we're still playing that game with those pieces. Right. So so it, it is. It is a, a, a slightly more modernized version of the throwaway pistol of the, of the you know, mm-hmm. the Liberator that we had in World War II. It's called the Deer Gun, D-E-E-R, so like the animal. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly what that stands for is anybody's guess. There's been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of supposition over the years as to mm-hmm. what that's an acronym like people for. People just wax poetic because we've got nothing. We have the gun. We have what they, where they were sent because we're finding, you know, we're finding them places. Right. And that's basically it. And yep. where were they sent? 
So uh, they were dropped behind lines like you find them in Vietnam and, uh, you know, and you find them in countries over there where, you know, supposedly we weren't. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is like Cold War. <laughs> yeah, this was the Cold War variation on that. Yeah. And it, it definitely found its way into all the places where we weren't supposed to be. And that is actually why I love the, um, you know, doing like research into like, you know, Mac V. Sog and the teams that were places that we definitely shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. They have some of the coolest non-standard weapons of the Cold War because because they were not supposed to be there, they mm-hmm. were carrying a bunch of miscellaneous pieces. And I actually found um, through, there's a great Instagram channel that just came up, Spook Spies and Special Forces. Yeah, I follow them. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he, he's, he's, he's been a curator and writer for the last 20 years on Cold War era like espionage tools. Mm-hmm. And he sent me a requisition form that had gone to the U.S. Army for suppressed Walther PPKSs and 380 auto and suppressed um, AK-47s. And they were being sent there in the 1970s and certainly went to McAfee Sog. There's reports of them carrying a PPK slash PPKS with a suppressor when they were doing their airborne missions. They would oh, strap wow. them on because they were smaller and thinner. And yeah, they were just putting PP barrels into PPKs, threading them back and putting super valve through them. That's I mean, so if cool. You leave behind 380 brass or and 76239. It's a little less telling than a pile of nine mil and five five six. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. It was. It was. Uh, we. I mean, they. They. They had gyrojet pistols. Yep. There's gyrojet pistols that have been found. You know, there's photos of them sitting in Vietnam holding those. And I think on on the bond standpoint, um, not two thousand miles away, mm-hmm. you only live twice was being filmed in Japan, and Sean Connery's goofing around with one on screen, right? There's like ninjas carrying these guns and in real life in the jungles, just to, co- you know, <laughs> right down in Southeast Asia, they're actually using them. Yeah. I mean, you leave nothing behind there. It's caseless ammunition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. D- you, yeah. You want to talk about clandestine and spy, like it, it doesn't get any more perfect for well, a spy. You're not getting the sonic crack until it's quite a ways down range before mm-hmm. it finally gets up to speed. I mean, it's, yep. it's actually not a bad choice. Yeah. That or an ice bullet, right? I, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so now, that goes, yeah, the ice bullets in the same vein as the people who say the birds aren't real. And of course, you know, we're giving just, them more ammunition yeah, for that now. Doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the heart attack gun. And, mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, the seven trees and all the questionable things they might've produced. Cause you know, we've only ever heard ad hoc so many times that, well, and it's over and over again. Well, they built, the ASP 9mm, that one we know is a fact, obviously. Yes, for but, sure. But then you have the pieces like a clipboard that could do a three-round burst for the FBI, for hostage negotiation teams. Like These are things that are repeated often, but we've never seen. Mm-hmm. And then you know, to add credence to the, well, it might actually exist, is you know, Paris Theodore was in closed session during the um, church hearings. Mm-hmm. And then he had to shut down his business right afterwards. Suspicious. Yeah. So like, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things where like the, the mystery slash he played into the mystery so much in his own life that mm-hmm. we all are like, hey, we have to be skeptical that, right. about what, what we're being told. But some of it is very true. Some of it isn't. And cutting through all those weeds is so hard. And I think that's what's so fascinating about espionage tools is, you know, for some of it, it's anyone's guess and other stuff. It's yeah, the OSS and SOE were rocking Colt 1903s and leather shoulder holsters overseas, and that's pretty cool as a yeah. Bond nerd. Yeah, the more you, the more you look into the original days of the OSS, you kind of start to think anything's plausible. And mm-hmm. no matter how crazy outlandish the story it is, it's plausible because those guys were kind of batshit insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> came up with some wild stuff. Yeah, yeah. dangerous yeah. amateurs, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, Wild Bill was the, the guy's nickname. So yeah, yeah, Wild Bill Donovan. He and boy, man, you want to talk about quite the card, man. But really, truly, I don't know that there was anyone who could have led the OSS other Mm -hmm. than Bill Donovan. Speaking of Bill Donovan, I've got a really cool James Bond story on that. 
I don't okay. know if you guys know this, but Wild Bill Donovan and Ian Fleming knew one another. Ian okay. Fleming went over there in the early 40s with his boss, because he was the Secretary of Naval Defense, and he had done a really great job with the administrative side of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Wild Bill Donovan asked him to put together a memo on how to create an organization like the SOE. Okay. So Ian Fleming helped write what then became, he wrote a memo that then became the charter document for the OSS. That's really cool. And what's even cooler about that, now we've never seen this gun, so this is all about taking a grain of salt to get mm-hmm. the story. There's a book that John Gardner, one of the continuation novel writers, put together called Four Special Services. Purportedly, as a thank you for this memo, he was Ian Fleming was gifted a Colt police positive that was chrome-plated and engraved for special services on the barrel hmm. by Will Donovan. So, like, there's some really cool that we talked about in the, in the last episode about, like, history and reality, like, yeah. interchanging with the Bond stuff. Well, yeah. Ian Fleming was creating history. Pretty cool. Yeah. So, so how long is it going to be before you make your own chrome-plated police positive, you know, and, and make a replica of well, that Well, first gun, right? I have to buy one, and then I have to cut the barrel, saw and barrel. That's the first gun that ever appears in a Bond novel is a saw and barrel Colt police positive. Gotcha. First chapter at the very end, the secret agent, Casino Royale, 1953. He puts his hand under the pillow, and that's what he finds. Okay. Hmm. Well, but uh, then I, mean, I have to find a gun and bastardize it, so, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you're looking for a police positive, I know this really cool website. Yeah. Um, uh, remember, we've taken a very hard stance on not chopping guns <laughs> <laughs> for, for the sake of it, so. But but let's let's be clear on this though. This that is if for you, history. Well, they, yeah, uh, science. Let's call it science. It's science. 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 Well, but, you know, we're at Walter. They, they do their own finishing here. I could probably just. It would look really classy <laughs> when I'm done. Right. Right. Well, and you also have to remember is that you know if you're just cutting the barrel, at least a barrel is a replaceable part. You no, put it in the jig. True. You can screw the barrel mm-hmm. off. You know, and we could we could put it back. So. Um, we have the technology. We have the technology. <laughs> it's like the $6 million man, but with a gun and, and some chrome. And No, seriously, I think that would be really cool. That would be an, a, yeah. neat, uh, a neat piece. Is, is that in the book anywhere? Your book? We talk about it, yeah. but again, you can't find it. Right, so no one's actually I'll, seen I'll, it. Yeah, no, one, no one's seen it. There's, but there's people who've written about it at length, and the memo exists. You can find it. You know, I, I have a copy of it. Okay. So it, it, it is real, and that's something that I'll be talking about in the book because like I said, the real world history is the coolest part of all of this because mm-hmm. it influences pop culture and pop culture also influences it. Like the back and forth there is, it's a really interesting byplay, I think, just because the world that we live in now is so aggressively like that. But it was a lot quieter back then, but it, it was the reality. Yeah. Well, and, and again, this was a world where, you know, the OSS and SOE guys were doing stuff that was so completely outside the box and mm-hmm. so almost crazy that it lended itself really well to the pop culture world later on. Absolutely. You know, you don't have to, you know, adapt it to make it, you know, no. interesting for the screen. It's like you almost have to dial it back a little bit because yeah. there's no way in hell anybody's going to believe they did. Right. Well, and that's, you know, author-wise, that's why you end up with like an Ian Fleming and a Le Carre, you know, the guys that came out of that world mm-hmm. wrote some of the best spy fiction that has ever been written because they lived in that world in the craziest era of it when anything went yeah i mean it, it, they, they they were so nuts and you know the, you had you had uh, hitler's commando order like these guys were doing things that had never been done before in warfare and they were told to kill them on sight mm-hmm. and that's pretty intense yeah i mean you know you're talking about stranger than you know reality being stranger than fiction we've mentioned a couple times you know the the rats with explosives like that sounds like something that should be straight out of hollywood mm-hmm. 
and yet it's real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just... Or the KGB having a tubular cyanide pistol mm-hmm. um, that, you know, they wrapped up in a newspaper. That, that, that happened, and that's at the International Spy Museum, or yeah. a replica or, of it, anyway. Or an umbrella air gun that can dispense a radioactive pellet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, or you had mentioned, I think, the, the heart attack. Yeah, the uh, heart attack gun, yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah. There's just so much weird and crazy spy tech out there. What you know? So let's let's go around. If you had to pick your your favorite weird crazy spy tech thing, what what would it be, Dan? What, what's what's your the thing that jumped out in my head was um, just recently, and it's really not even a spy thing, but it's kind of like the liberator pistol thing. Like, mm-hmm. why don't we just have normal people? do the dirty work for us uh-huh. <laughs> was uh, Kim Jong-il killing his brother by getting at, you know, at the airport with mm-hmm. the, I don't know what the chemical was, but some sort of nerve agent on a thing. Mm. And they just got a random person in the airport like, hey, we're doing this reality prank TV show. Here's a hundred bucks. Wipe this on this person's face. Mm-hmm. And you see the person wipe it and they're like laughing. And then the, the, I think it was his brother or his cousin was dead 20 minutes later or something. And you're like, oh, man, <laughs> add that to my list of fear <laughs> going through the airport. Someone just coming up and wiping something on your face. So uh, so as far as, like, real things, I have seen – I did see – I think it was at the FBI. The FBI used to do – and this was, like, when I was, like, 12 or 13 yeah, in D.C. I, I, I did that tour as a kid, and I wish they still did accept Yeah, but I one. did see that umbrella gun, and that mm-hmm. was a cool, mm-hmm. cool one, too. So, yeah. A similar vein, oddly enough. Mine, though, is all the attempts to figure out how to poison Fidel Castro via his beard. Mm. The amount of mm. focus that we put into delivering poison via facial hair, the amount of tax dollars we probably spent on it, some, for some reason, still fascinates me. You would think it would just be easier to poison one of his cigars than to poison his beard. I'm a practical but. guy. At that era, put Carlos Hathcock in the trees a thousand yards out. It's fine. <laughs> Did you guys see the uh, Ukraine assassination of that Wagner guy, Commando, and they? it was like a celebration of him, and they made a bust that was a bomb and presented him with the bust of his own head. Really? This, it was like at this coffee shop. There's video footage of it. Yeah. Uh, okay. And like the person who gifted it to him, I guess, was a double agent or something, and she was invited to the party, oh, and they wow. had footage of her just like really quick, like, <laughs> here's your gift, and then like walking go. out the door <laughs> real quick, and then just explosion. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's a really nice, you know, look like a bronze bust of his face, and it was really a bomb. With a grenade inside. The, yeah. you know, mm, and all the crazy. bronze is the shrapnel. Yeah, the bronze the being the shrapnel. That's yeah. terrifying. That'd be my luck. I would get killed, and during the autopsy, they'd, run, they'd do an MRI scan, and like my nose would be wedged in my frontal lobe or something, you know? <laughs> Cause of death, ego. Himself? You know? yeah. Yeah. Cause of death, he got Picasso'd. Everything yeah. just got yeah. rearranged, uh-huh. you know? Oh, man. What about you, Caleb? What's your... I would say it has to be... The ASP 9mm, mm-hmm. just because we don't know enough about it. And in the research for this book, I mean, I, I went, I was writing at a great pace. Things were going awesome. And then I spent the entire summer just on that because I think I was telling you before we started recording, I I hate using words like purportedly, but that's all I was finding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything was a whisper and then a whisper of a whisper. And then you're finding a forum, someone else talking about something. But um, when we were doing photography for the book, I got to... We had six of them in front of us, and I got got to handle them. I got to wear one on the Kindle holster with the dual mag carrier and spend a lot of time with it, 
and I'm never going to forget that. I mean, I got to shoot yeah. one. It was, I was handed one with the, with the original holster and said, use it. Use it wow. while you're here. Half a dozen of them. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Really cool. incredible. My, my favorite has got to be pen guns. Mm. I just, you know, stupid, simple, you know, but I just, I love the idea of just, you know. The concealed weaponry is just so fun. Yeah. I, oh, I just, yeah, it's crazy the things they would put barrels and mm-hmm. powder into. Yeah. I just, I just love the idea of just, you know, you pull out of your shirt pocket and just, pew, pew, yeah. pew, you know, like. I like just, the fin jets, you know, they had those in cigarettes in World War II. They right. That are post-World War II as well. Like basically the precursor and MBA and associates were making them too. Mm-hmm. And that ends up in you only live twice the Finjet cigarette in addition to everything else. Oh. So it's just cool stuff. I mean, that stuff's just awesome. Yeah. A lot of really cool spy stuff. So if, if you could only have one piece of spy gear, what would it be? Mine's completely implausible because the maintenance would be bad, but I obviously want an SR-71. <laughs> I'm not asking for much. No, no I, would ta- I would take an AA-12 or a YF-12, but I really want the, the, the base SR-71. Okay. Are mm-hmm. we okay. talking about real spy gear or or pop culture? Here we come with Dan with something from... I, I don't know. Let's hear them both, Dan. I'm sure they're both good. I don't know. Because could, it could be real, and we just don't know it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I will say... I remember how disappointed I was. So this is my answer. I remember how disappointed I was the first time I can remember wearing dress shoes, which I think were, it was like a rental tuck shoe for a wedding or something, and I was probably 10 or something, and I thought I could swivel the heel out, Uh. and there'd be a secret compartment in there. And I'm like, why can I not swivel this out? I thought you were going to go from Russia with love and pop out blade. Uh. Yeah, that's where I thought it was (laughs) going, too. No, but I would say secret compartment shoes. Okay. See, I'm of the of, of the era that if we swing that out, then you can flip the top up and actually make a phone call on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah little man from Uncle Action. Little yeah. uh, get smart. Get smart. Yeah, get you're smart, right. Yeah. Or yeah. Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Or I think he had that as well. Uh, Inspector Gadget had everything. Yeah. yeah. Mine would be the the blade coming out of the out of the shoe. I just think that's so cool. You know, such a neat a neat concept. Caleb. I mean, the Aston Martin DB5. The, the thing has uh, the, the 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 Goldfinger DB5 has a drawer underneath it that we don't see on screen that has you know it's got a broom handle mauser or a p38 and the no time to die version has mini guns in the headlights so i mean it's really hard to beat that's actually probably a little more practical than mine i mean let's we'll be honest yeah Yeah. but they get stolen just as aggressively (laughs) true true (laughs) i just want the contents of the trunk yes exactly it doesn't matter what the spy movie is they always pull up open the trunk and Mm -hmm. there's just well, An arsenal. Apparently, Bond, yeah. you know, Bonds and Thunderball had the, the it was real, the, the Bell and Associates um, jetpack. Yeah. Like, it's mm. true. Yeah. Jetpack. Just jetpacks in general are so cool. I would love yeah. to have a jetpack just to fly from one side of the farm to the other. Like Th- This is probably a little insulting, and I apologize ahead of time, but I've always kind of looked at Bond as the movie version of Chips. Because if anyone remembers Chips from the <laughs> 70s, every episode featured whatever the pop culture thing was. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this week, Ponch and John, after they get off duty, are going roller disco. Now we're going to go hang gliding. It's like whatever the pop culture got worked into the show. And with Bond, it was kind of followed that in the movies. You know, we had, we had talked about this a little bit earlier. Yeah. Previous episode, Moonraker came out not long after Star Wars. You mm-hmm. saw, mm-hmm. you know, the... Well, Living the Dies Black Exploitation yep. film because it was 71. Mm-hmm. Like, it was in that era. I mean, I think the first couple more movies are a perfect example of that because, yeah, you go from that to the following movie is The Man with the Golden Gun, which is one of the darkest and grittiest Fleming novels. Um, 
about the Cold War, and it becomes a whole movie about Kung Fu, because that was big. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes to space. And what's the one set in the South with the barrel roll jump, which came out about a year after Smokey and the Bandit? Oh, I had that. That's, um, that, that's also The Man with the Golden Gun. The Man with the Golden Gun. Okay. That, 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 the barrel roll, that's not in the South, though. That's that's in Thailand. But the Southern Sheriff, that's what I'm thinking. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that yeah. was like a weird reoccurring character, right? Like yeah, they brought him back up. twice. Yeah. Yeah. Random. But it was that era where they're like, "Oh, this turned out well. We should probably do it again." That's why <laughs> right. you get callback. You get Jaws twice. Yeah, yeah. that's true. You know, th- this uh, um, in the heat of the night is playing well, so we need a southern sheriff. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So, what kind of spy influenced stuff can we find on Gunbroker? Oh wow. Um, you know, there's a lot of little gadgets and gear, but probably the coolest thing I saw when I took a pass a little bit ago. There's um, it's it, it's a new it's a new man new manufacturer, but it's a Colt 1903 that they've built up in the OSS. Um, format and Caleb you probably can talk about what that means more than, than I can but you can buy it it's even got the little like you know redacted um, information kit that comes with it, it goes for about 2500 so it's not mm-hmm. you know just pick it up um, because you think it's neat I mean it's really right. for for aficionados but it, it really is the it, they call it, it's the 1903 OSS repro edition Interesting. Yeah, that's cool. That is really cool. Because, yeah, I mean, like the SOE, for instance, they had some really cool modifications that they had made to those guns, like um, because it said U.S. property on it. And, you know, instead of just polishing it out, they just put a reoccurring series of X's across U.S. <laughs> property and put British proof marks all over it. So, and then typically what was common in that era was um, just matte black finish. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had some sort of incredibly cancerous paint that they'd throw on there, and you were good. Yeah, yeah. At, at one point, I think uh, during World War II, I think the one of the finishes Smith and Wesson was using was called Magic Black or something like that. And yeah, I think the magic was cancer. But mm-hmm. I, you oh, know, anything I, from Vietnam with the color in it, Magic Black, Agent Orange, it, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. bad. Yeah, it's exactly. Bad. Yeah. It's gonna haunt you forty years later. <laughs> exactly. But for now, you're gonna be good to go, and it's gonna be really cool. And you're probably gonna die before forty years from now, mm-hmm. so we won't have to worry. Well, about I mean, it, yeah, right? the OSS they had what like a six week survival rate. Yeah, like it was at, crazy at, at low. best for OSS SOE, it was like, you go behind enemy lines, it was nice knowing you. Yeah, exactly. It was nice knowing you, but we won't acknowledge that we knew you because you just disappear, and, and that's the end of that, mm-hmm. right? At least now we give you a star on a granite wall. Yep. Yeah. We yep. don't say who you are, but at least you get that. Exactly. Yeah. One step forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are all stars on my wall. Oh, yeah. And and all of you at home watching and listening I to the podcast. Are sure that's a compliment? <laughs> yeah, are we dead to him? <laughs> oh, I meant it as a co- See, if you took it in the other direction, that's your own damn fault. I, I was trying to be <laughs> I, nice. And, I get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, guys, I appreciate you sitting around uh, and uh, around the table and talking with me about what what we would be like as spies. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I think, I think we'd all be terrible at it. But We're dead. I, I, I think we'd be dead. Yeah, yeah. There well, you know, we'd all be stars on it's, that. It's, one. it's like a Sean Connery and Diamonds Are Forever. They pull out James Bond's wallet. It's his Playboy Mansion membership card, and everyone, <laughs> including a diamond smuggler, knows who James Bond is. Like, uh huh. I mean, that was the running joke. He was always the worst spy ever because yeah. everybody knew who he was. Yeah. didn't matter what he checked mm-hmm. into the hotel as. Everyone knew. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for everyone tuning into the show. Uh, hope you enjoyed this one. Let us know what your favorite spy gadget and gear stuff is down in the comments. If you're not subscribed, please make sure you do that. Uh, again, leave us comments and reviews. Uh, it's a, a huge help for all of us here at the show. We appreciate you tuning in. And we will see you next week on the next episode of the No Low Ballers podcast. <laughs> <laughs>